BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. If you're 16 or whatever, smoking pot, it's the perfect song. I got different ones for different ages too. Go on. Not that we're encouraging 16-year-olds to smoke pot. I am. I don't care. Come after me. Welcome back to Last Words on the Pit. This week is our very, very special 420 episode, and it will be the highest (laughs) rated episode of the year. Believe me, I am one of your co-hosts, Doc Coyle, from the band Bad Wolves and host of the X-Men podcast. I'm Katie Rosari of Season of Mist and Outburn Magazine. I'm Zena Koda of Everything's Political Podcast, and I love to trip people up. And we have a very special, special guest who needs no introduction. He's a musician. He's a showrunner. He's a comedian and just a general badass from Galacticon, Death Clock, Metalocalypse. The list goes on. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Brendan Small. Hello. Hello, everyone. I wonder how high all of you are right now. That's what I wonder. We're not allowed to say that until we've been 20 minutes into the show. So check back a little bit later. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair no enough. No response. Yeah. No response. No yeah. comment. Just a, a lot of smirks and uh, and happy faces. <laughs> you have a beautiful guitar in your hand. What's going on there? Please tell us. This, okay. Well, this is, you know, look, I like talking to you guys anyway, but it coincided with the release of this guitar, which is, this is the new Epiphone Ghost Horse. And you can see it's got uh, six strings. It's got a whammy bar. It's got 24 frets. It's got like this really cool relief kind of like carving thing right here where you can just get a little bit higher. I wanted to make sure I could get these high frets and also be able to access them with my fat fingers. (laughs) So, and, um, and yeah, so it's a really cool guitar and it just came out and I did a fun little ad campaign with, um, Epiphone, right? They they're like, hey, you why don't you direct a commercial or something like that? And I was like, okay, I'll do something weird and fun, like a crazy outer space uh, intergalactic used car commercial kind of a thing. So we did lots of fun animation. We got to use a bunch of fun lenses and stuff. So uh, and I got to write a little song where I kind of put this guitar through the paces that I just put out also, and it's a song by the same name, Ghost Horse. And you can get that uh, wherever you stream or steal music or whatever. Um, it's there, out there now. Makes the guitar, makes the music. Yeah, it sure does. Entrepreneur, huh? It's, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what's really fun is that for some reason they let me do this. I don't know. I don't understand why, but they've let me put a few cool guitars together. This is one of them. This is the Ghost Horse, and then one that I put together a while ago is this one. This is my original prototype of the Thunder Horse, Ooh. which is. Um, you know, just kind of a, a, a kind of a classic explorer. You know, there's nothing really different or special about it. I just basically chose a different paint job and said, don't change anything. I really like this guitar, how it is. And this is more like a four-wheeled truck that'll get you up a mountain. And the other guitar is like a race car, you know, that you like take out on nice nights. So that's that's what I wanted to do. I want to have kind of both of them. But, um, but yeah, and then I put together another one. It's not within my reach right now, but um, the Snow Falcon, which is a white flying V that's kind of more like a Billy Gibbons guitar than anything else. But uh, I really like Billy Gibbons. So why not? Well, I've been collecting a lot of guitars during the pandemic and the, what I don't have is a Gibson. So you are tempting me a lot. I might, you know, I might have to, you know, get the wallet, even though I went to the link for the new guitar, the ghost Horse, and it said sold out. So I don't know. I don't think you need my help. That's the crazy thing is this thing sold out really quickly. It sold out. We made like 500 of them or something, which is like in guitar numbers. That's like a good number, I guess. And um, so so I was notified by uh, Nashville that they are building more now and they're building twice the amount because they were so happy with the launch. So you can pre-order them. <laughs> I think you could have ordered them. There may be some if you snoop around enough, you may find some here and there. So I'm doing like this promotional. I've been doing like clinics in here like guitar clinics and stuff in this little studio 
By the way, this is my studio where I record lots of music. I recorded Galacticon, Death Album, three overdubs I did in here, um, the Doomstar record, which is like a big rock opera. I did that whole thing in here and then did the drums elsewhere and, um, and all the Galacticon stuff too. But I do drums elsewhere. I get Gene Hoagland in another room. This is, <laughs> this is a, a garage that was converted into a studio. This is awesome because I feel like we're Thanks, taking man. a tour Thank of like true metal history Thank right you. now. Like we're there. Like we're there where magic happened. I know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure about that. Um, but a lot of stuff does happen here. A lot of guitar playing. a lot of me in my hands and my guitar and us looking at each other saying, look, I don't like you and you don't like me. But we've got to make this work somehow. That's <laughs> Doc, normally... you know all about that. <laughs> Being been, a band. <laughs> I've been in a lot of bands. I've been in a lot of studios. But I'm, I'm of the mind that I think the greatest... More, or maybe the most interesting stuff comes from the tension. I mean, sometimes a bunch of people just agreeing with each other gets can be a little boring creatively. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, imagine if all those people live in your head and it's just one person. It's a different <laughs> story. It's it's uh, it's um, you know, it's I, I think I think the the question is like, how are you? You know, the question I've been asking myself since I started in this industry, from TV to music, is you know, how do you be creative? for a living? How do you kind of, how can you, how do you shoot your mouth off enough where someone lets you do something crazy and then, and then you're screwed and you're like, how do I do this? How do I make this work? And so you've got to figure out how you're creative, what hours of the day you're the most creative, what parts are just like generating, what parts are editing, what parts are problem solving. And for this, for, for this room to exist, this little studio, I wanted to make sure that I could have basically Pro Tools, a bunch of amps over here. You probably can't see too well, but you can see like a bunch of Marshalls, a bunch of like a microphone. I heard that Prince used to like have a microphone right next to his thing, right next to his his his, uh, his you know the, the master console, just in case he felt like he would sing most of his lyrics just sitting down and doing all the tech work himself. So I heard about that, so I started doing that, and it makes everything just a little bit faster. So just having fast quick things, you know, uh, having one button that turns the whole thing on, turns your whole like system on so you can record having just a good guitar sound dialed up already, whatever it is, it gets it done faster. You don't want to be plugging things in or looking for outlets or any of that stuff or USB or dongles or any of that garbage, you know? Oh my, what a nightmare. Right guys. You, you got to have like a secure space, right? So it's, it's, it's uh, well, it's uh, it's secure enough, but it just needs to be on and ready to go. And I need like a track re record enabled already with all the stuff that's already like I have. Um, this is boring stuff, but I have like a like a different kinds of of templates. Some are for metal, some are for scoring, some are for. But I have like all these instruments already available already inside of the thing. I just have to turn it on and start making decisions and start messing around. But yeah, this is a uh, this is part of what my pandemic looks like is sitting in this room and experimenting with this guitar. It's been really it fun. Could be worse. <laughs> things could be worse. Things could be worse. As far as pandemic goes, I have to say, uh, it suits me. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I, I prefer a pandemic. I prefer a lockdown. To it took a it took a it took a removing society from our lives to realize you know what maybe society is not that important. <laughs> maybe we don't need it that badly. Who knows. But uh, but it's I certainly tend to to thrive in a pandemic. I want to be home by myself anyway. So, um, so it's it's nice. It's nice. I got a pretty random question for you. Go on. Um, I was looking at your wiki. Oh which yeah. I always love looking at people's wikis. I just find them super fascinating. I haven't looked and, online uh, so. Uh, well, I, I read it copiously. Um, there was like this oh, funny wow. little little call out that you had graduated from a prestigious music school. And, you know, it's kind of interesting that the first thing you dived into was, was straight up music. I love it. Um, and the, they were saying in the wiki, the, the reason you didn't continue to pursue music off the bat because you considered that the rock scene was dying. And it just cracked me up because I recently watched um, Paradise City. And it was an interesting point of view. I don't know if you watched that. It's like a series on Amazon. I haven't watched it yet. No. Well, you'll probably you'll probably understand my comments after this <laughs> if you do yeah, watch it. Go on, please. But uh, 
it just kind of reminded me of kind of the way that it felt super washed in some ways and seeing that made me laugh. Do you think that you made the right decision? I don't think, I mean, I don't know if that's a, what, I don't remember saying I think rock is dead. I think what happened was I went to Berklee College of Music in Boston and I loved living in Boston and I loved studying and I didn't know what else the hell I was going to do. And I was lucky enough to have, you know, kind of gotten into this school somehow. I had to like trick people. I, I had terrible grades, so I couldn't. So, but I, I managed to trick people. I got someone to write me a letter of recommendation. I did study music really hard, so I got in. But what happened was I just didn't really know what I was going to do with this. I, I started studying with all this music theory, with all this, you know, with all these chords and scales and all this stuff. I was going through a guitar identity cri crisis kind of where I didn't really know what I was interested in anymore. But I thought maybe I can parlay this into to film scoring. I really like movies a lot. I really like, you know, the idea of composing and, and how music elevates a film or any project, TV, whatever it is. But I really, the truth was that I had no idea what was going on with, with the world of, um, I don't know how I was going to make any money, how I was going to make a living. I don't know if I was going to start a band or what. But while I was studying at music school, I was also taking writing classes at Emerson College because those two schools are sister schools. And I got smart my last year and I took advantage of, of what, what schools around because most of the time I wasn't hanging around with the musicians. Most of the time I was hanging around with the theater folk at Emerson. I had a good friend who was going there. And so I, and then yeah, exactly. There's a lot of jazz hands jazz and hands. jazz hands. And, but I would find myself because I was hanging out th there, I would find myself meeting different people who were, uh, were verbal a lot of musicians are shoegazers and like to, and they don't, they don't do their laundry and uh, they, uh, they uh, smell like clove cigarettes. I don't know what it was in the nineties, but I was there and it just smelled like cloves all the time. And um, that was doc. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, but, um, but, uh, but I, I didn't really have, I didn't really have a problem with what was going on with music. I, it was around the time, like I started kind of, I was getting like Ingve Malmsteen licks, kind of under my fingers and right around the time that no one was playing guitar solos. And that's something that I noticed that people made a decision, like we're not playing guitar solos. And I was like, I don't know what's going to go on with this guitar thing. I'm going to come back to it. I'm going back to this, this writing world though. And that's kind of how I realized I was toggling back and forth between being a writer and being a guitar player and being a writer and being a guitar player. So I took writing about as seriously as I took guitar, which meant that if I were practicing four hours of guitar, I would start writing for four hours. I would start studying writing start trying to understand it and just write things, just write stuff all the time. And then that led me to being on stage at, you know, in, in Boston and doing stand up there and doing characters and doing telling jokes, assuming personalities and doing weird stuff, which would get me. Um, luckily, I, I was funny one night and some people saw me that night that were doing TV and they said, hey, are you interested in joining us on this endeavor. And that would be home movies, the first show I did. And it was me and like a couple other people. And fortunately I already had like a stack of scripts at that point. So they thought I was a writer. They thought I knew how to write. And the truth was that I was a guitar player who got very competitive with the writing department at Emerson. Cause I wanted to write, I wanted to write funnier, more exciting stuff than anybody else. I was really like competitive. Like can the guitar player get the most laughs in the class is what I was wanting to do. So, so that's how I got started, but I have a lot of respect for rock and roll. And what was happening while I was doing home movies was I was kind of, you know, communicating with the younger me and what got me into guitar in the first place, which was metal, all the metal stuff, like all of Sabbath and, and all the, uh, like King Diamond and Slayer and Metallica was a big one too, but all that stuff. And I was, still listening to metal and cannibal corpse and all that stuff. And everybody just kept getting heavier and the music kept getting better produced. And I kept going to shows, kept going to shows. And that's where metal eclipse would start happening. It was just, I was just attending shows and being really interested and really excited with the energy. And obviously you guys all like metal. I don't have to explain it to you. Well, so well, that's, that's kind of how, that's kind of how I, I got into this, this whole world was music school, Emerson college, stand up comedy. And then, and then, Meanwhile, meanwhile, I mean, it had Metalocalypse not happened, I would still probably play guitar as as much as I do because I just really like playing it. It's, to me, it's it's really fun. It's therapeutic. It's exciting. I just wanted to make a make a comment about that. Eric Andre, famous, yeah, has almost the same story. He went to college for jazz bass, 
And, and he, he went to Berkeley too. Yeah, and he essentially made the decision that, well, jazz bass isn't exactly blowing up uh, people's bank accounts these days. So he kind of made that calculus. But I think, you know, as me as someone who did not go to school for music, I feel like if someone goes to Classic, college for music, yeah. they're already thinking more professionally minded than most musicians anyway. So I, so it, it, it's not that um, odd to me that someone would be like, because you have to, once you decide to go to school for music, then you actually have to make a career out of it or else why are you there? So I think it's yeah. really in your head a lot differently what, as opposed to someone like me who was just, I'm, I didn't have no fall backup plan. It's just, I'm doing a band because I'm doing a band. Like there was just no other. Yeah. So, I, so I think the type of person who goes to school for music is just someone who is probably more organized mentally, a little more bit of a planner, <laughs> a bit of so. And, and I don't Not know. As, I, mean, I don't know if that's true about me because even in music school, even though I was like, finally, here I am studying the stuff I love. I still didn't get good grades. I would only kind of do the homework that I wanted to do. I was, I had problems, whatever it was like, I don't know. Uh, but, um, but what I did notice is that I could throw a rock and hit a thousand really good accomplished guitar players who could do so many more things that I could do. But when I started watching, when I started, when my brain started dragging my body to go and see comedy shows in Boston, because I didn't, no one told me to go. I just started saying, I'm going to start almost like I was going to metal shows earlier on. But I just started going to some comedy shows and I started saying, you know what? Each one of these people is different and each one of their personalities is different and no one can compete with, everyone maybe can be able to compete with what I can do on guitar, but no one can compete with the idea that I'm me with this set of circumstances that built me and same goes for everybody else. And that I knew I saw a cleaner path into kind of kicking a door open somewhere where some, where I tricked someone into letting me have some responsibility as a writer or a musician or, or hopefully both. And what I figured out was, and this is, this is actually, this is, this is after a summer where I interned in New York. So I lived in Astoria for, for a summer and I interned at Jingle Houses where they write music for commercials and stuff. So I worked at a place called David Horowitz Music Associates. And that was a house with like seven writers. And each one of them was good at something different. One of them was a guitar guy. One of them was a person that was really good at orchestrating strings and horns and all that stuff. Somebody else would do pop music really well. And they all, and they had, it was, it was such an, an exciting world to be a fly on the wall. Of. But what I would do is get them coffee and wrap up cables and clean up after everybody. And then I would watch producers talk to them and say, and, you know, use loose, vague musical terminology to to try to to try to communicate and i thought oh boy this is really cool these guys are all so smart and they're so good but i don't want to be this far back in post-production because creative control is just not yours you know i really want to do stuff and i want to do my stuff right i'm a snotty artist so um so i did that there then i also worked at uh, michael levine music and he's the guy who wrote the the kit kat commercial theme song in the 90s <laughs> give me a break song Classic, he wrote yeah. that yeah everyone knows it right <laughs> and uh and and these everyone was really nice it kind of let me understand how studios work i understood how to mic things i started figuring out you know there was an old guy with a pipe who was like a, a copyist who would write on pencil this beautiful handwriting and write for parts for like strings and all that stuff and he'd get up early and he'd write this and he'd hand it all in and nowadays you need you just printed out from your computer from like a MIDI file or something. But that was really interesting to see all that stuff. But what it really taught me was that I didn't want to be in post-production. I kind of decided that summer, my summer before my last year was that I've got to start taking writing seriously. By the way, my roommate, who is my buddy from Emerson, who is still my really good friend, his name's Jed, and he just finished shooting the new Dawn of the Dead series for sci-fi. Right, exactly. Incredibly cool stuff, right? So he's my buddy. We were roommates the first half. He was interning at Conan O'Brien, and I was, and through Emerson College, I got this internship at this jingle house. And I kept, and I learned a lot, and it was really cool. But I also was like, okay, all the work that I'm putting into music, I'm going to put into comedy because I found myself going, like, how quickly can I wrap up these cables, make the coffee for tomorrow, or order everybody breakfast or whatever it is, and then, and then, go to 30 Rock and, and be a fly on the wall and see what Conan O'Brien is doing and see how these sketches are made and see how they're making people laugh. How do I study that? And that's kind of was my inspiration. It's uh, kind of being sorry, in yeah, it. Sorry, yeah, no, this has all been so interesting to me, but it's the very like bottom talking of the Greeks to me, you know, because I'm not a musician. Like, what's your ideal situation? it's fascinating My ideal situation is I create this how passionate thing, I write the thing, I, I hire kind of myself as an actor, and then I do all the music as well. Wouldn't that be wonderful? 
and that's that was I'm where I, that's where I got smart. It was my well, last you know, year. It's kind of like in high school, I got smart my last year of high school. Uh, just like I got I've been smart quiet because I've been observing music school. I have a quick question, actually. Then again, sorry, because this feels like an odd parallel to my life's path because I was a theater geek. The guy yeah. being in a band, and then recently over the last years, I did stand up comedy, which was humbling. <laughs> oh yeah 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 of course it is yeah i did it in berlin which basically ended my stand-up comedy career berlin was... as in germany yes it was stupid ah. it was dumb. that's i wouldn't you know what don't let that be the thing that gets <laughs> oh, you down because... don't let those germans get you down yeah <laughs> no no i mean i mean germans love to laugh but i wouldn't say that uh i mean go 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 to go to a crappy comedy club and and uh and and if you have i i would say don't let that don't let that be the thing that stops you because go go to your native place of birth and see how you relate to them first before you take it to Germany. Oh, 100%. <laughs> or, no, I did it in New yeah. York too. And Euro European sense of humor, definitely different than New Jersey sense of humor. So there's definitely a disconnect there. You probably would do better on home turf. It was a stupid decision, but I was like, if I bomb, no one's going to know, you know? No one will, yeah, you can go home. It, but still, it's a long flight home after bombing. That's usually, how long is my trip back home after I create a disaster? And uh, that's usually a question to ask. And that's a long <laughs> flight. That's a 14-hour flight to get back home. I or, cried to myself a bit. You know, it was fine. Yeah, it was yeah, yeah. Tears of joy and sadness. Um, it's it's really crazy, but that is, that is really true. There's an immediate, the thing about playing music live is that you don't know if anyone's paying attention. You don't know if they're talking to their friend, like holding their drink and just like catching up on stuff if you're playing in front of people. But if you're doing comedy, you're either getting laughs or you're eating shit you know it, there's no there's no in between there's no like pretend laughing unless people are insane and they want to pretend laugh because they feel scared or whatever for you but but you're either like and you have to just work on it forever you know it's it's really like a thing that you i i i went through a big phase where i was doing it recently and i was just i was just doing it like going to the gym like just keeping muscles you know strong because they can really truly atrophy and I, I've, and I've bombed after not being on stage in a long time. You forget, you're like, oh, right, I'm in charge here. I can't let this happen. I can't let like anything like this happen again. So, yeah, I would recommend if you are interested, don't stop. Don't let, don't let eating shit be the thing that stops you. Otherwise, there would be no comedians on this planet. Oh, no. I mean, you know. I'll, I'll get back at it again. But I took a lot of classes, actually. I went to UCB for a while to, to give it a shot. But yeah, I was curious. Um, I think there are, it's interesting to hear you say there's kind of a parallel universe, right? From being a musician, a writer, and all these different things. What I'm hearing from you is it's really nice to have control of the show, right? Because you're able it's to true. kind of like formulate the output. But um, yeah, like how were you able to kind of translate all these things into stand-up comedy? And like, how were you able to funnel like, I guess being part of a crew or being part of a, an equation versus being the one and only. Well, the the way I look at all this stuff is that when I was a kid, you know, I was like 14 when I got my first guitar and I was really serious about it because my buddy taught me something important. By the way, I'll get into this later on. I know we're going to talk about stoner metal, but... So that was the first thing my buddy taught me was Iron Man. He also taught me just a. Like a blues shuffle, right? And I could play it in the first day. I understood what a power chord was. I understood like that if I hit just these two strings or if I whatever, I understood how to make. I understood that. There's a good reason why my fingers, like if I'm fretting out, there's a good reason. There's a good reason. So everything on guitar and I started getting into scales. I started getting into like Satriani and Vi and Ingve and all that stuff. But um, but there was always a really good, it was a very logical instrument. If you kept it in tune and if you played the notes and made peace with where the best place is and all that stuff, all the minutia, all the magnifying glass moments of it, all the bullet time stopping everything going, there's a great mistake. My right hand, my left hand are not communicating. What can I do? I figured what it taught me was that if I put the hours in and, and thought about it really hard, I could probably make sense of the instrument. And then I thought that way about everything else, about writing, about what the edit bay looks like, about what, um, like knowing what the possibilities are, knowing about after effects, you know, in animation or, or live action, knowing about what lenses do, starting to get 
you know, curious about, okay, what is an anamorphic lens? What does that do? That's my favorite look in the world. Why do I, what is going on with these lens flares and these warping things? What is the process? And just, and it's the same thing. Everything is a guitar. If you put a different lens on it, if you put a different filter on whatever, the pedals or whatever, that's the lenses, that's the after effects. Everything's the same thing. And if I, if I'm interested enough, I can probably find a parallel between the guitar that makes me understand. If I understand the guitar, I can understand anything else. Everything is a version of a guitar as far as I'm concerned. So it's not that different, but, um, you're not alone when you're doing a show. So home movies, I was not alone. I had really smart producers with me. I had, um, I had a really great crew of John Benjamin and Melissa Galski, um, who were improvising with me. Um, I had Lauren Bouchard who is, you know, just really an important producer and a really great laugher and a great indicator of when comedy was working well for the group. So I was never alone. I had a great writer, Bill Broadus, who was working with me too, but I got lucky. I got super lucky. And for some reason they thought I had, again, I think having a stack of scripts and if you want to be a writer for a living, that's like having money, you know, it's like having, like, if you have, that's like having a demo tape, whatever it is. If you have a spec script back in the day. So from Emerson college, I, they said, write a spec script, write a show that exists on TV already and write your own episode of it and make the character sound like the characters, make the story feel like the story. So I did a Seinfeld back in when I was still at Berkeley. And, uh, and so I, uh, and it, and it felt like Seinfeld and George sounded like George and Jerry sounded like Jerry and Elaine sounded like Elaine. And I thought, okay, this is, I understand this is a show I like and I've made my own version of it. So you're kind of like LARPing as a, uh, as the other show, but it proves the important things. Can I write for characters? Can I write story? Can I write comedy all in one thing? Stand up was that you kind of didn't need a band. You're the joke writer. You're the performer and you're the director and you're the executive producer of yourself. There's nobody else. If it's funny, it's because somebody did their homework and, and practiced and worked it out. So all that stuff. So you're never really alone, but when you're pitching a show or when you're working at a show, there's, I mean, as a writer, you just spend hours alone. <laughs> if you're a guitar player, spend hours alone. I'm used to the, the lonely, which is why the pandemic kind of works out for me because I'm used to logging those boring, treacherous hours alone making peace with a project or a guitar line or writing or whatever it is that I'm doing. So I'm going to cut in here in the, as the king of uh, clunky transitions. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is 420. All right. And I'm yeah, not going to let anyone get out of here without talking about stoners, stoners in metal, our favorite stoner songs. And the fact that I don't know if, you or anyone who made anything for Adele Swim would have a career without weed. I mean, can we can we all agree with that? I think you're right to say that. Whether or not the the performers are high, the audience definitely. No, no, I'm talking yes. about the audience. I'm saying I'm talking about. The <laughs> yeah, but um, no, I think um, I think there's t there's time of day specific comedy. You know, there's a prime time slot where you watch. You know, like back in the old days when everybody watched the same thing at the same time with networks. The morning shows were like quiet and light and then they would have like stuff in the middle. No one wants to laugh in the middle of the day because we're all working. And then you come home and you're like, oh, this is nice comedy for everybody. And then as the night goes on, shit gets weirder and weirder and weirder. And when you start stuff at midnight, it's a different it's a different point of view. And I think Adult Swim really understood late night comedy. They invented a style of comedy. I remember seeing Space Ghost and, and thinking, my God, this is one of the funniest things I've ever seen this is a new style of comedy I have not seen. It's like, it's like creating a new style of music, like a new genre, you know? Like how often do we get a new genre that just pops out of nowhere? Adult Swim definitely did that. So, um, but yeah, definitely stoner audience. I, I feel like this is like that uh, famous Bill Hicks quote that Tool actually sampled on the song Third Eye where it's like, you know, if you have a problem with drugs, I mean, I'm paraphrasing obviously, but yeah. like throw out all of your records, throw out all of your art, because the people who made that were real effing high. Yeah, so it, it's like there's kind of like a truth to like what Doc was just saying and, and you know, what you're kind of saying about this where there's that correlation between artistry and not necessarily that, hey, okay, if I smoke, that'll make me better. But I think it's more that creative types are just more likely to just kind of smoke and get high and kind of unlock their creativities. I'll tell you something on those lines is that I, 
I smoked a little bit of pot in high school. And my song selection, my stoner song selection comes from that. That I was just listening to beforehand. So I remember we listened to a song and it was Black Sabbath. And it, but it wasn't Ooh. it wasn't Ozzy. It was it was the Mob Rules album with Dio. And I love this record, probably because of this one day with my good friend Renzo, who's I'm still good friends with. Renzo is like the important guy who taught me guitar and who taught me who Black Sabbath and King Diamond and Metallica and Ingve and Led Zeppelin and all that stuff. Cause I would not have discovered any of this stuff without my friend. Renzo, who lived up the street, because my sister was listening to Madonna, nothing against her, but she didn't have any guitars that were heavy and tuned low or anything like that. But thanks to Renzo, I learned about everything plus pot. But then I became a horrible pot smoker and didn't smoke it forever until very recently. Well, not very recently, but throughout all of Metalocalypse, no pot smoking from me. I didn't wow. smoke any pot. Believe it or not, all that weird stuff just came from being a, a weird idiot. Um, and having some weird idiots working with me as well, where we would push the envelope of just, let's see how weird we can get. Is this working? How slow can we make this? How fast can we make this? I never really wrote any of those shows high, believe it or not. And I wasn't even going for like a, we were just going like for whatever we thought was funny. And that was the bottom line. We weren't going like, Hey, people will be stoned. They'll really like this. We didn't think about any of that stuff. We just thought what is making us laugh in this room? And it's this stuff. There, I blew it. I blew out the whole thing. However, nowadays, nowadays, marijuana is mu a much larger part of my life than it used to be. And it's not just because of the p pandemic, but I like it a lot more and it agrees with me. In fact, I'm much more delightful when I'm high than when I'm not. I'm much more, I'm funnier. And then I also make no sense. And then thirdly, it helped me with my migraines. I had ocular migraines for mm -hmm. decades and this all but cured it. So now it's an important part of my medicinal intake. Same, actually. I've had really? your migraines since I was 16 years old. And um, I mean, I still do sometimes need to take, actually fairly frequently still need to take like migraine medication. But for the most part, uh, since I started like really smoking and really, you know, regularly smoking at that, I get them far less than I used to. And they're far less severe than they used to be. I mean, they used to be blinding to the point where I was like vomiting. Um, yeah, I had all those. get to that point anymore. Now they're a little bit more manageable. So we asked everyone to come up with their favorite, I guess, metal song to smoke weed by or the song that gets them all jazzed up when they're, they're feeling the green. Brendan, what do you have? What's on your list? What, what can we get you pumped up? The first one I picked was because of my, the first time I got really high was with my buddy and he played the Mob Rules album. And one song made my head explode, which was E5150, which is just a weird like three minute song that is the weirdest. It's like sound effects and weird squirrely sounds. And it's it's got like just parts of it that sound like this, like. going and then it goes into this really cool kind of uh anyway it's got cool chords it's really weird check it out it is a strange stony song it's it's if you're 16 or whatever smoking pot it's the perfect song i got different ones for different ages too go on who's next not that we're encouraging 16 year olds to smoke pot but i am i don't care come after me <laughs> Katie, what's, your, what's your selection so i mean i'm gonna go with the og classic dope smoker by sleep i mean the song is 60 minutes long which is great because you know you just put it on you don't have to worry about a playlist you could just vibe out you don't have to skip over it you could just vibe for a whole hour to one song. And it's a great song. You know, I mean, the lyrics, like I, I believe the first lyric of the song is drop out of life with bong in hand. It's just a great epic song. And it is just like the stoner anthem. Like, can you really call yourself a metal stoner if you didn't listen to Dope Smoker on 420? I like a little bit of a faster pace stoner song because I spent a lot of my life as a stoner. So, uh, you know, I'm going to say, I have a lot of picks down here. Caius Wright is a really dope song. It just, it sounds so 90s too. That's what I really like about it. I'm gonna shit on all you guys because Ooh. I'm kind of out on the whole stoner metal genre, stoner rock genre, whatever you call it. And I'll, now listen, and I think 
you can take this even to like the psychedelic bands. I think any, or EDM for that matter, certain kinds of EDM, any style of music that you need to get high to enjoy is immediately handicapped, in my opinion, all right? So that's, I'm gonna put out there right there. I just pissed off a whole bunch of people and I don't care, suck on it. He's back. <laughs> but there's a lot of those bands I do like, but not because I need to be high to, to enjoy it. No, that's, see, I see it the opposite. You're not enjoying it because you're high. The music is actually amplifying your high experience. You see, you're looking at it backwards. The music is like the accessory to your stoned experience. No, no, not that. No. Actually, no. And I'll tell you why, because it has to do exactly with my selection. It is Rational Gaze by Meshuggah. And there's a dividing line with it by Meshuggah fans. It's like the thrashy, up-tempo, more tuned up Meshuggah, the chaos sphere before, and then nothing and after. And all of my friends that like nothing were all potheads because all this, everything was slower. It went on for longer and it was very hypnotic. And this, listen, this is a badass song, high or not, but when you're on weed, then you get it. All of a sudden you're like, oh, Oh, I see what they were doing. And then when I, then God forbid, toured with the sugar, these motherfuckers were smoking weed all day, all night. All right. They was in the zone. Okay. So there you go. to watch live. Like that's the kind of stuff, like every time you see the sugar live, high, your body trembles because of the, the light show, the Sonics, that song particularly, you're like, oh yeah. And then the syncopation of the song is so fucked up. Wait a minute. Hold you know? on. I, I have a question. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt. Please. Do you, was Miss Sugar high on stage when they were playing their stuff? Because I mean, first of all, they're I aliens. Can't say for sure. Are we allowed to answer that? Actually, let me say. Okay, here's what I'll say. They just yeah. told me after the show. I cannot play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, some people can. Some show. people. Some people can do whatever they want and play a full show. I'm not one of those people. I have to like. I have to like sit there and hunch over my guitar before I'm gonna play a show, and just go like, "Hey, dummy, don't screw up." But I do think fast stuff really does work nicely if you're high I, I don't think it has to all be the slow sludgy desert rock or de desert metal or you know caius or though i love caius and i do love sleep i think about like fast thrash in fact like another thing that i listened to was the, the record i saw live first was the the new mr bungle that blew my mind also that thing just made me insane i loved it so much and it just sounds like it was in a time capsule from like 1986 because it is i guess but that one was another one. This pandemic that worked for me. Katie, you got any any more? Oh yeah, I mean, first of all, like I, I could go on about this topic forever, and like I, I'm loving this conversation because, see, for me as a stoner, I'm not just listening to that music. I'm listening to everything. I'm listening to thrash. I'm listening to black metal. I'm listening to pop. It just depends on my mood. Like I said, for me, the music's more of an accessory. But I also feel like I'd be remiss. First of all, we talked about Black Sabbath. That was a real random one, but also a great pick, Brendan. But of course, you have to mention the Sweet Leaf because that is like the OG song. That is like the OG stoner metal song. It is a love song to weed. It's one of the best riffs ever, yeah. Yeah. I get it. We, we could have dug a little deeper though. Okay, guys, I'm just saying. All right. Do, I got, oh, yo, me, I got a good one. one. Give me another one. All right. I'm going to dig deep. All right. Another one from my Captain Obvious. Oh, come on. No, I'm going to take it out of there, actually. You know what I love getting high and listening to? The Mars Volta. Oh, yes. The Mars Volta, drunken shit. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I would dance around my apartment in Greenpoint when I lived in Brooklyn and just get smoke joints over and over. <laughs> just, yes. It's so amazing. Yeah, it just, that's the kind of like, like, I feel like a Latino man just like swirling my body. <laughs> I'm like Omar in, in uh, Reincarnated. <laughs> That's a, that is you, a fantastic pick. That's something else for us. Come on, don't hate. That's that's great. Well, it's it's interesting hearing about Brendan you being into fast stuff, or even uh, Katie bringing up some of that stuff. Because I, I have a bad weed experience. I was high on tour in playing the Roseland in Portland, and God forbid, opened up. We were for Behemoth and Cannibal Corpse, and I made the mistake of watching Cannibal Corpse high. That 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 shit was straight scary, son. All right, I was, I thought I was over with. I, it was not, mm -mm, I, I ran, I ran. I was like, no, I can't do Campbell Corpse on, on this much weed. It was, it was not a good experience. Uh, but <laughs> so I so saw I do like, and I think this band is probably in that kind of psychedelic camp is Tool. And it's the song. Yes. Ism. I mean, 
because Tool is good anytime, but it's definitely like out, you go to the Tool show, the, the joint does come around. It is very free. It's flowing. It's communal. It's a beautiful thing. I'm going to have a, re yeah, you're absolutely right. And I'm going to have a real quick, just a couple, I'm going to go psychedelic black metal bands that are awesome to listen to. And I would say Blue Douse Norn, specifically their hallucinogen album. I mean, the, the name is in the title. Um, Imperial Triumphant, really, really weird and bizarre, but like awesome to listen to. In the same vein, Aranzi Pazuzu, they're like kind of jazzy and weird, um, but also sound kind of like vintage and fuzzy. They're awesome. There's really not much else I could compare to them. So I would say, the, oh, and the great old ones, they're very Lovecraftian and they're also just like this kind of spirally psychedelic black metal. It's awesome. So that would be my like off the cuff kind of pick. Well, 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 Katie, like like a, a cipher, you 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 took the joint prematurely out of Brandon's hands and cut the lab. I say you did it. This is a community here, right? Can, can, we, pass. can we pass? You know, you know we, I'll take you that in real life too. No, but that's fine with me. That's absolutely fine with me. And that's also the the first record I mixed while I was smoking pot was the most recent Galacticon, Galacticon 2 record. And what I did deliberately was I did a lot of stuff that if you're listening to it in headphones, that you're listening to things bounce back and forth. You're hearing a little thing, a little sound that just kind of comes at you from far away. And I think that's a really exciting thing. Stereos, stereo, like the stereo, stereosonic sphere, whatever you want to call it. But that was something I really wanted to do, which makes because I listen to, I listen to all kinds of stuff. I listen to Tangerine Dream. I listen to Vangelis, Vangelis, whatever. Like the Blade Runner soundtrack. Those are great stony things. So if you can get some weird sizzling synthesizer to cut across in the middle and just like come at you, that to me is exciting. So so because when I'm when I am listening to music, I have my iPod on shuffle and it goes from like you know, like mid-century classical stuff to Thundercat to like, you know, to, to the new Cannibal Corpse that just came out. So it's just like skipping from like genre to genre to genre. And that to me, that that really, and, and actually really important um, contradiction in style really keeps your ears alive all night. So that's what I have to say. Just put it on random. Because the idea that you're... I can't believe they figured out a drug. Well, it grew on Earth, but they, but a drug makes music sound even better than it already does. You know, that makes it more exciting than it was. And it already was pretty good because it's, it's a bunch of weird vibrations that are altering. It's invisible vibrations that are altering your chemical reality. I mean, it makes you feel something different. It makes you feel rage, anger, sad, happy, whatever it is that the music that you're listening to is. And then it just gets that little like a extra weirdo filter once you're on, once you're smoking pot. So anyway, Cannibal Corpse, the new Cannibal Corpse, I have to say. It is heavy, it's scary, but that's what I want from them. I need it from them. Fear, that's what I call it, the fear. Zena, I know you got more selections, right? Um, Yeah, I mean, Queens of the Stone Age, always, but I don't need to be high to listen to Queens of the Stone Age. And, and Doom Riders too. Doom Riders is another one that I love when I'm high. Doom Riders the band. Yes, Doom Riders the band. Okay, okay. It's Queens of Stone Age, basically, like Kai's part, part two. I get it. Nicotine. Yeah, but it's like marijuana. I get it. Come I get it. Like your Josh Homme. I get it. All right, we get it. All right. It's his sex music, you know. Uh, I just thought you guys would dig a little deeper. Okay. Uh, listen, wait, wait. My, I got two more. I'll dig deeper. Or do I well, cut You just went. You just named sixteen bands. And you try to take the cipher again. Yo, you, I, I'm not smoking with you. You gonna <laughs> just. <laughs> I steal the lighter too. Does that surprise anyone? <laughs> I'm that friend that pockets the lighter. Yeah, yeah. Where's my lighter? I've got yeah, it. You can go. I'm a gentleman. All right, you go. Because I honestly already forgot mine. And I did name like 15 already. So I only picked three. And the last one is Mastodon. And I actually had to go through the Mastodon tracks to find which was the most stoniestly pleasing. And I went with Jaguar God, which is the closing song off their most recent record, Emperor of Sand. And it's a beautiful song uh, because it's so kind of dirgy and almost like, um, it almost feels like a European folk song, the way it starts and then it, and it changes and goes to this crazy thrash thing. And it's a journey, which is what, you know, 
the compound is supposed to enhance the journey of life, man. And, and you know, you can do that for a lot of Mastodon songs, though. They're very, you know, they're very right for this, in my opinion. I agree, Mastodon. Well, Ma- Mastodon is just, they're just, they're just great. They're great writers and they're, they're super, and they've got so many different sounds and wa- listening to them change from record to record or expand from record to record is always really fun. I got to hear a secret little track of one of the new things that, that sounds like it's going to be uh, something you're going to enjoy with your friend marijuana. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Zeno, the, you have a story about smoking. You was oh, what was it smoking? Osama been smoking? Who was you? Who was you with? So chances are, if you smoked weed, you smoked weed with some weird people. Who's the weirdest person you smoked with? Uh, Brendan, I feel like you hang out with celebrities. Like, what about you? Anything good? I, I hang out with writers and musicians. <laughs> I hang out with nerds. So I, uh, you know, the one story that I remember, it was this is like a just a, a it's it's a too much pot not ready for it story from me. And this is like during our first Death Clock tour. And some of the bandmates were uh, smoked pot regularly back then. And two of us didn't. And I was one of them. And one night we were like, hey, let's, we have a night off. We have the next day off. Let's get really high and get like order a pizza. Let's do it right. Let's get like ice cream and let's get pizza. Let's get junk food and let's just be nice to ourselves. We deserve it. And we're in like lawrence kansas and um we haven't we have the night off so but what what would end up happening was it was the worst um it was it was just i really didn't have fun at all it really sucked i got too high i had like some of gene hoagland's weed um i've had that weed that's check that checks out yeah yeah i mean i when i first saw gene gene is gene is one of the most creative crafts persons and great players and, and cool guy to hang out with. So he's such a mellow, nice guy. And I used to see him like just taking apples and just putting them in his jacket. He would just take apples off the, the you know, whenever there was like a backstage, whatever. And I was like, this is a guy who can't get enough apples. This guy loves it. And then I realized he was making thongs out of them all the time. And uh, I don't know if he ate them afterwards. Very rarely did they get eaten. And it was so what happened was we were going like, all right, let's put on some really mellow music or something and let's just get high and have pizza. And one by one, the whole evening just crashed and burned. I got way too high where I was like noticing my pulse and how dry my throat was. And if there was like some spit bubble slowly cruising up my throat back to the top, I could feel everything like I was too aware of being alive and it was no good was having some kind of a crisis and then like the bus driver came in after our domino's pizza got delivered and he started screaming at us about why don't you order from a mom and pop place and what what are you doing this place they support you know like all the shit that was like bad about that and we're like we're like about to start crying because he was yelling at us because we were so scared and then somebody else comes in (laughs) and uh, it was like uh byron stroud who's an awesome he, from uh, Strapping Young Lad and Zimmer's Hole and uh, and he was our tour manager at the time and uh, I love him he's awesome and uh, he came and he's like hey man check this out and he's like put on Zimmer's Hole super loud he's like it's funny and I was like I'm frightened I'm frightened I need I need some water I need whatever it was and then I looked over at Brian Beller and he was the other guy who wasn't like a normal weed smoker Brian Beller who plays with Satriani and Steve Vai and uh, the Aristocrats monster bass player but he and i had like a I snapped to an image where he and i were in band marching band outfits hanging out with these metal people and we were like the idiot nerds and eventually it all went away and <laughs> but it was a terrible terrible pot smoking time and I, I think i think you get one of these every once in a while where you're just too high to cope with anything and that was and that and then i remember talking to gene hoagland like doing like uh the next day i'm like well i really didn't enjoy that and he's like well you've got to just uh learn how to do it and i was like i don't want to have to learn i don't want to have to learn i'm not going to learn something i've learned enough things i have to learn how to get high he's like well yeah you just have to know how much to take and you have to do this and blah 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 and i was like you're uh you're probably right but i think i'm good now and of course i would later find out that you know start start without gene hoagland's weed (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is a good starting point and then and then fold in more as you need it uh, and then and then try to take breaks there's definitely a couple bands we could advise to like if you're like a baby smoker like a first time smoker you're not really like well seasoned at all like stay away from like anyone in testament's weed 
Um, anyone in Exodus is weed. Anyone in obituaries weed. Because I'll tell you that shit will get me high. So, what about Doc? You any any good stories to round us out? I really, I I could really, I didn't really smoke a lot of weed after like two thousand one because of a uh, another kind of trip kind of screwed me up. So I, I mean, nah. I, listen, I, out of all the compounds out there, I feel like weed. You know, the most boring stories are from that. You know, we got to go. We got to go much more X-rated to get fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the edibles, though. The edibles. No, okay. no, it's all horror stories. I remember I did an edible. And I was watching that um, Texas check Texas Massacre Chainsaw Massacre remake, and you can't watch that. Um, no, you are. It is too real. Oh, and, the and remake. Yeah, it's really good. I, I like it. But it's, it is really good, but that is not a weed movie. No, it was not. That, it was it was scary. I was scared for my life, and I had to. And I just passed out. I can't eat weed. I'm not. I'm not strong like like the rest of you. <laughs> I watched. By the way, that's one of the few movies I never turn off movies because I can't handle them because I love horror films and I love fucked up horror films and all that stuff. But I watched the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which I think is a masterpiece. Toby Hooper's original. And I, I had to, it had so much tension in it. And I was really high when I was watching it and it had so much tension. The opening shot when, when they're in the, 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 the van together and they pick up that dude who's really, really weird. And no one's saying, Hey, do you mind putting your little knife away? You're making all my friends uncomfortable. No one says that. They just sit there and they endure this weird guy who's totally insane. And he's talking about murdering cattle and all this terrible stuff. And I was, I was like, I can't. This is too, this guy's such bad news and these guys are all going to die and I can't watch this. And I had to turn it off and like put on like, I don't know, like Pinocchio or something like that. Like some kind of anything to like, just what's the opposite of this? A Disney movie or something, the cat from outer space or something. Also very stony, by the way. That's a good recommendation. <laughs> we have been last words. Mr. Brendan Small, where can the people stalk you, find you, buy your new guitar, check out all the projects you're working on? You can find me on Instagram at Brendan Small, B-R-E-N-D-O-N, and at underscore Brendan Small on Twitter. I don't know why I got someone, to... Someone took my name already, so what are you going to do? You can find me at Doc Coyle on Twitter and Instagram. Katie, where can the people find you? You can find me at Merciful Kate on Twitter and Instagram. Zena. And if you want to find me on social media, at Zenacota, two E's is my handle. You can find me there. If you want to check out our t what t-shirt I'm wearing, if you want to leave a comment, tell us how idiotic we are about weed. Nah, let me do it again. God damn it. Oh, see you guys. See, I think I, you're doing, I, hey, first of all, you're doing a great job. Uh, I'm I, glad I don't have to do it, but I want you to know <laughs> everyone goes through this. It's not just yeah, I need this. I need this kind of direction. Yeah, yeah it's it's up. just have fun with it. If you're not having fun, we're not having fun. I've, I've been off for a few weeks, so you know, I'm, I'm yeah. Getting, getting, I think you're great. I think you're doing a good job. You got pulled something right there. All right. There you go. Coming back. <laughs> you didn't lose your sense of wit, and that's what's important. That's right. That's right. Well, if you want to see what t-shirt I'm wearing, or you want to leave a comment, just head over onto the Pitts YouTube channel. Say hello. Hello.